Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chris Torres. I'll be your host today for our final episode of the 2023 baseball season. Hope you all did well in your fantasy leagues this year, and uh, hopefully the show helped you in some way or another. The season may be ending, but the show goes on. We have our final episode of the season today, but we're going to keep this baby rolling through the offseason, and we'll continue to try and provide you all with interesting, informative, and entertaining fantasy baseball content. So stay tuned. For today, I'll be rolling solo here uh, for our first segment without Mike, uh, but I've got a great guest with me. I've got Mike Wilner returning to the show to talk all things Toronto Blue Jays. Mike is a columnist at the Toronto Star and also host of the excellent podcast Deep Left Field. Mike, so happy to have you back on the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you were really enjoyed having you last time and uh, definitely wanted to have you back on. And and right now seems like a good time because uh, the Blue Jays are, are right in the thick of the playoff race. They've got a, a lot going on here. So just want to check in with you about where things are at currently. I know they're currently in the second spot uh, for the wild card in the American League. Just want to get your overall thoughts on their season so far. It's it's been a really weird one for for a season that's been so successful. They have the fourth best record in the American League right now, and yet they're tooth and nail uh, for a playoff spot, or at least it feels like it. Anyway, um, they're two games up with four games to go as we speak, but it doesn't feel like it. And the the sense around the team, you know, you you wouldn't get well outside the team. You, you wouldn't get the idea that this is a 90 plus win team. I mean, the way the fans talk about it, uh, it's as though they're about to, you know, lose their 100th game and they're, they're way out of the playoffs. It's been really frustrating because of the overall lack of offense. Everybody is hitting worse than they did last year with the exceptions of probably Brandon Belt and Kevin Kiermaier. Um, but it's been a down year offensively for, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for Bo Bichette, for George Springer, for Matt Chapman, for everybody. Uh, and the Blue Jays have been led by pitching and defense. They've got the best pitching in the league, and they've got the best defense in the league. But that's not that flashy. And, you, you know, as much as you get up out of your seat for a great catch, uh, a lot of the improved defense isn't that. It's just catching balls that – the outfielders that they had last year didn't catch. So it's been weird. And the fans are are restless and not happy. And, I mean, it doesn't help that they've just been shut out in back-to-back games uh, by the Yankees with a total of just five hits over two games. And it doesn't help that they're three and six in their last nine at home. Um, and yet here they are sitting – you know, four days away from being in the playoffs with the best pitching and defense in the league, which is what we've always been told wins championships. So it's it's been a really weird season. 
Yeah, I see that on Twitter. Like the vibes around this team and especially among the fan base just are not great right now. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think what you said about the uh, the hitting has really, really underwhelmed. I mean, these were guys like Bichette and, and Guerrero, like guys that fantasy players were really, you know, going first, second round in drafts this year. And they've definitely disappointed uh, you know, you mentioned another one, Matt Chapman. I, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about him because his second half, I know he was dealing with uh, an injury uh, at, at a few different points. I mean, do you think his underperformance, especially in the second half here where he's batting only 202, uh, do you think that's a, a matter of him just playing through injury or, or what is your take uh, on his disappointing second half? I, I don't understand it at all. And I think it's not just second half. You can go back to May and probably even the last week of April, and that number will go down from um, from 202. Uh, it, it's been confounding. I mean, Matt Chapman is not supposed to be a great hitter, but he's supposed to have some power. And he is up among the league leaders in doubles, even you know with this disappointing season. Um, but he was the American League Player of the Month in April, where he had an unbelievable first three weeks of the month of April, and he's been pretty rough ever since. Uh, there's a, a, a lot of hard contact that hasn't turned into hits. There are a lot of pop-ups. Um, it, it doesn't really make any sense, and it's been very difficult to make sense of. You know, you mentioned the injury. Yeah, he dropped a, a weight on his finger uh, in the weight room in August while he was trying to return it to the ba- to the rack, and he tried to play through it for two weeks and was terrible, and then finally said, "All right, enough," and, and went on the injured list. Uh, and since coming back from the injured list, he's hit about one fifty. Um, without the power you know going into this season with especially with the the changes in roger center and the renovations moving the fences in a little bit i thought so many of those matt chapman warning track flyouts last year were going to turn into home runs and it really doesn't feel like any of them have and and it, it is confounding for a guy who has hit in the middle of the order most of the year and just hasn't produced since the first month of the season I don't think anybody expected this. And as much as we were writing in April that this guy's making himself a lot of money going into his free agent season, now not so much. I mean, he's going to be, this is going to be like a third straight mediocre to poor offensive season for Matt Chapman. Uh, And even with the incredible defense at third base, um, it's, it's hard to see him cashing in on a huge deal now. It is so confusing. I mean, just looking at the underlying skills, I'm looking at his StatCast page right now. Matt Chapman, in terms of hard hit percentage, he's 100th percentile at 56%. Barrel percentage, 98th percentile. Average exit velocity, 97th percentile. Yet he only has 15 home runs. And he's got 56 barrels, and usually about 60% on average of a player's barrels um, end up being home runs. He's got 15. So it's just a a very weird year. And there's been some debate. I do want to ask you about this. Do you know anything about Matt Chapman like having an intentional approach to go the other way? Because um, 
there's been people saying that, well, it's because he doesn't pull the ball enough. And maybe that is an intentional approach that he's taking to go the other way. Do you Have you heard anything about Matt Chapman doing that? Or is this just kind of bad luck? I, I you know, if you look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. stat cast page, you'll see very similar things. Um, and I don't know. Certainly there's not been talk about Matt Chapman intentionally trying to go to right and right center. He's been a pull hitter for power in the past, and that's, you know, what works for him. And one would think that when you get to September, if you're doing something that hasn't been working for five months, then you change it like Danny Jansen. And uh, he decided, you know, I know I'm a pull hitter and I know that that's where my power is. And that's what he said, you know, screw this going to right field. I, I know that a lot of guys feel like when they're hitting the ball into the gap the other way, that's when their swing is on. I haven't heard that from Chapman. I don't see Chapman trying to go the other way. I see him hitting the ball hard uh, and it not dropping and not going out of the ballpark. And when you look at how the ballpark has played at home, we thought, again, it was going to be a home run haven, and it hasn't been at all, and nobody knows why. So it's 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 just part and parcel of what's been a really weird year. And again, Chapman's doing everything right except getting hits. And the same thing with Vladdy. He's his contact numbers and hard hit ball numbers and all those stat cast numbers are off the charts. And yet, you know, he's had to make a real push this last couple of weeks just to get to twenty six home runs. Yeah, it, it has been very strange. I was, you know, all in on on these Blue Jays, thinking, man, this this change in the park is really going to help these guys, and it's been the exact opposite. So, um, but I wanted you brought up Bo Bichette, and you know, he hasn't really been a disappointment, but maybe a little underwhelming from a fantasy perspective. And the main reason for that is that he didn't really give us the steals that we were expecting, especially in an environment where everybody's stealing bases, and it doesn't appear that it's like a team-wide thing. I mean, you had George Springer with 20 stolen bases. You had Merrifield with 26. Boba Shed only had four, has had four stolen bases so far this year. Any insight into what's going on there? Well, we know that he's been dealing with uh, leg problems since the beginning of August. So, I mean, that's that's at least when we found out about them. and We don't know how long he's been grinding through that issue. He spent time on the injured list twice uh, in August and September, once with a, a knee thing and once with a quad thing. So that will slow you down a little bit or at least prevent you from taking those chances. Um, and again, he had said w- when the quad went in August, he said he'd been grinding through it for a little bit. Um, but last year, too, he got off to a slow steal start, you know, in, in uh, 2021, he was 25 out of 26 stealing bases. But then last season, I think around the all-star break, he had five steals and he'd been caught six times. And then he turned it on in the second half and and stole eight more bases. Uh, This year, obviously his leg is preventing him from turning it on in the second half. Um, So he's, you know, conserving his energy for running the bases when he's trying to score from first on doubles and from second on singles and, and things like that. Um, I, 
I wonder if he's closer to the 13 to 15 stolen base guy he was last year than the 25 stolen base guy he was the year before. But healthy, he's going to get you more than four. Right, right. So it sounds like you feel that we could expect a little bit more from him next year. Maybe injury has been impeding him uh, so far this season. Um, moving to the catcher position, I, Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk, who's been another underperformer, um, at least relative to expectations. Uh, they split time when Jansen was healthy pretty evenly so far this year. So do you think that continues going into next year? I, I believe they're both under team control. Do you see any chance that either of those guys is moved in the offseason? Or what are your thoughts on that? I don't expect either one of them to be moved. I mean, like you said, Kirk has underperformed, so you're you're not exactly cashing in if you want to trade him. Um, and Danny Jansen is integral to this team's performance on the mound. And he's, you know, I think he's probably in the top three on the team in OPS, though he doesn't qualify because he's spent so much time injured. Um but when he gets hot, he's as hot as anybody. And he's the heartbeat of the team. He runs the pitching staff. I don't think they were splitting time behind the plate when Jansen was healthy. Um, Kirk was getting DH at bats against left-handed pitchers. But I would be surprised if when Jansen was on the roster, he wasn't catching three-quarters of the time, if not more. Um, and I expect that to continue next year. I don't know what they're going to do with DH Next year, I don't think Brandon Belt is back. Um, and Kirk or Jansen will get some DH time. But uh, when they're healthy, I expect Jansen to be doing the bulk of the catching. Okay. Whit Merrifield has been a player that has been a nice surprise, at least I, I think both for the Blue Jays and in fantasy. Um, he's gotten a lot more playing time, consistent playing time, than I think I expected um he has a mutual option for next season do you think he's going to be back with the jays and do you see him basically being in the same role if he does come back i don't think he's coming back um uh, you know he he had a, a a nice season at times was doing really really well and at times he would just go into these troughs um but he's i think 34 um and the Blue Jays, you know, with the way Kevin Biggio has played since the middle of May, I don't think that they are all that interested in spending the money on bringing Merrifield back. And I don't know that Merrifield is is interested in picking up that option when he could get a multi-year deal for more money, uh, you know, not crazy money or anything like that, but he could easily go get 3-20 and 20 out there on the market, one would think, at the very least. Um so I think he's going to explore that. Um, yeah, I I don't see him being back. It would have been a lot more definitive, you know, if David Schneider was not currently 0 for 30. Um, the way he started his major league career made you think, okay, this guy's the second baseman next year or the third baseman uh, when Matt Chapman leaves in free agency. And Biggio plays second and, and see where you go from there. Go get a, a big slugging left fielder and move Dalton Varsho to center. Um, but with the, the Schneider over 30, it's taken a little bit of shine off of him. I don't think anyone's handing him, um, a starting job next year, but I do think that, that Merrifield and the Jays will move on from each other. Okay. You mentioned Kevin Biggio. Uh, he's played himself kind of 
I know they played a lot of righties lately, and he, he's been playing every day and hitting really in the middle of the order uh, for them. So do you think he's, for next year's team, that he's pretty much a, a, a regular? I, I don't think he's going to hit against lefties, but do you think he's in there most days? Yeah, I do. I, I don't know how much that helps fantasy, to be honest with you, because a lot of Biggio's um, appeal is in the strike zone discipline and, and his ability to um, get on base. And if on base percentage is, uh, uh, is a piece of a fantasy league, then that's great. If it's not, then he's probably only going to hit 230 or 240 with uh, 10 to 12 home runs. Um, but he is also sneaky fast as far as base stealing goes. But yeah, I think he's played himself into a regular role next year and it's great to see. I mean, he's a guy who works hard. He's the ultimate pro and uh, really does help help a team in, in a lot of different ways at a lot of different spots. Right, right. With that position flexibility, that is, that is huge. Um, moving on to uh, another player who... I know player uh, fantasy gamers are going to be very interested in this offseason, seeing especially the way rookie pitchers have had an impact this year. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann is, you know, very high up on prospect rating, uh, rankings. And uh, do you have any insight as far as when we might see him next season? Do you think there's a chance he breaks camp with the team? No, but I do think there's a chance he pitches in the playoffs this year. Uh, as a reliever in in short spurts. Um, but I think the Blue Jays still want him to be a starting pitcher for them long term. And he's going to go to the fall league and build up his innings more because he missed so much time this year with the injury. Uh, I really think that, that next year, if he stays healthy, they're going to monitor his innings. We could see him in the major leagues in August and September as sort of a two-inning reliever just to to finish off that inning total, which is kind of what I thought this year would might happen before he got hurt. But as a regular major league starting pitcher, which is the role that, A, he's going to have the most fantasy value in, and two, would the Blue Jays really want him, I don't think that's happening until 2025 at the earliest. Okay. He's still only 20. Yeah. Yep, I know a lot of people are excited about him, but that's helpful. That that's good to know because you know I was even thinking, and believe it or not, I'm thinking about doing a, a draft here in a couple of weeks. And Tiedemann was one of those guys I'm I'm looking at. And I'm like, okay, you know, if the skills are off the charts, we know that it's just a matter of how much uh, how much playing time he'll get. Um, is there anybody else in the minor leagues who you think is going to be impactful for the big league club next season? I mean, there's a chance that Spencer Horowitz becomes what Brandon Belt was this year. He's got that skill set. He's a guy who gets on base a lot, not a huge amount of power, but I think he could slide in and become that DH against right-handers. I think the Blue Jays want a little more slug there, especially given um, how poorly they've hit for power this year. Um, so they may go out and, and just try to get some big scary bat somewhere. But I think that Horwitz potentially could provide uh, a not insignificant amount of value. Um, the pitching staff is pretty much set. Your top four is coming back and who knows what's going to happen uh, with Alec Manoa. Um, I wonder about Yasver Zulueta. As a potential reliever, 
Um, positionally, David Schneider's got a shot to make some sort of an impact. Uh, but I think that's probably it as far as, you know, breaking camp rookies going into next season. I almost forgot about Alec Manoa. He's been gone for so long. It's just it's a shame. I mean, given where he started the season and how it's ended up for him. Um, but uh, anyway, I know you got a, a playoff race to cover, so going to let you go, Mike. We appreciate you so much uh, for coming on the show. Can you just tell our listeners where they can find your work and uh, where they could find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can find me in the pages of the Toronto Star, though I'm writing less these days as the playoff push happens because we've expanded Deep Left Field to a daily podcast. So you can find me wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Deep Left Field. Uh, There's still a weekly show that's going to drop in about, I don't know, Thursday afternoon um, that you can hear from Chris Bassett and you can hear from Cam Eden, who... Uh, well, I didn't mention him as a fantasy rookie because I don't think he's got a path to playing time. He did have 53 stolen bases in AAA this year, and he is up now with the big club and uh, could make a potential playoff impact. So there's still that weekly show every Thursday, but after every Jays game, about an hour after the game, there will be an episode of Deep Left Field Daily for instant reaction and analysis and uh, it's it's a whole lot of fun. You can find me on Twitter at Wilnerness. You can find me on Blue Sky, also Wilnerness. Um, and I'm I'm there, and I'm happy to talk uh, Blue Jays and and baseball and whatever else whenever you want. Some stuff, Mike. Thank you so much again. We are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our fantasy follow up segment with Mike Carter. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. I am here with my co-host. I missed you, bud. I, I didn't have you last week. I didn't have you for the first segment uh, for this episode, but but uh, happy you're here. Mike Carter, what's going on? Chris, it is really good to be with you, man. It has been a crazy couple of weeks here in the Midwest for me. Work has been insanely busy. There's been a lot of really bad behavior in the therapeutic day school world, I can tell you. And uh, without going into great detail, uh, I'm glad to be back and uh, glad to be on with you tonight. We're both wearing our glasses tonight. We're uh, very designer. I have my geek chic uh, Elvis Costello black glasses on. You have a very, very nice uh, Rico Suave look going there that I like. Remind me of Gerardo in the early 1990s, which is before your time. You're looking oh, good, man. No, I know. I know Geraldo, man. Um so these are actually these are like those blue light blockers that oh. I, I wear them at night if uh you know like I'm looking at a computer or whatever. I don't know. I, I read all that shit about like things you should do to to hack your sleep and that's something that I hear people say is that you shouldn't look at a screen like an hour before bedtime. So yeah, yeah. That's why I'm wearing these. But uh yeah, at least they look good. But Hey, man, let's get into a little bit of kind of like a season recap. And we're not going to go too crazy. I mean, we, we're we at the finish line here for the season. So we're going to just kind of do a, a quick overview of, of where our teams are at and, and maybe some things that went well and, and didn't go so well. And we'll have plenty, We'll have the offseason to, to go into more detail. But I guess my first question is, where are things at for you? Do you have any, any sweats going on right now? Where uh, where are your teams at as we sit here today? 
Well, it's been kind of a mixed bag, as I think a lot of fantasy players have kind of seen here this year. Um, my home league, I'm in the championship round this week. It's a it's a, a season-long points league. Um, I'm playing the guy who had the best record in the league. Uh, we're neck and neck right now. My pitching has not really been very helpful this week. Um, I'm hoping that uh, Chris Bastin and Zach Wheeler were good tonight, but I haven't been able to check that yet. So I, I have a pretty good chance in the home league. I usually do pretty well there. Um, Glarf, I've been vacillating anywhere from, you know, eighth place to about 11th place. There's a cu- only a couple of points that are separating people in there. Um, I was really working hard on fab the last month in there and, and, and really trying to kind of to build up my, my goal at the beginning of the year for Glarf after finishing last and second to last was to try to finish top five. I thought that was a reasonable goal. I started off well enough. I had a really good draft. Uh, and I was really happy with that, but I continue to be a work in progress with fab. I've had some really good fab moves in that league, but, um, you know, it was one of those things where my pitching kind of crapped out on me and I, and I didn't really do a great job of identifying or getting replacements. Um, so I'm doing okay there. I'm in an, on, in, uh, on the wire, uh, podcast league, um, where I've, I'm in striking distance. I'm in second place in that one. And, um, I picked up about four points in the last three days, uh, kind of stalking the first place guy. He's been pretty consistently high all year, but I've made some pretty good moves the last week. Um, Jack and I are in a uh, father and son league um, that we play in. That's uh, sponsored by some other friends in the industry. And uh, we're in the championship for that and currently winning that one uh, with uh, you know three days to go. So that go, would dude. be really sweet to win because, you know, Jack was really helpful in drafting that team. And guess what, Chris? Guess who Jack really, really likes to draft? He likes to draft guys who get double-digit home runs and double-digit steals, just like his old man. His old man taught him well. Uh-huh. He's like that power-speed combo, for he's sure. He's like, we need Bobby Witt. We need Jazz Chisholm. I'm like, all right. <laughs> no, it, it don't have to be hard, right? Like, go no. for guys that, you know, they, they give you power and speed and uh, draft pitchers that throw hard. You know, yeah, if you just yeah, stick to those yeah. principles, you'll probably be all right. No, um, it's pretty fu- it's pretty funny, you know, like it, it, he's it's his first time ever really doing it and paying attention. And he's he actually had some pretty good insight, you know. Um, I probably should listen to him a little more often. So yeah, yeah. I'm I I'm I'm fairly satisfied with that. I, I'm a little disappointed in Glarf. I mean, it looks like I'll finish ninth or tenth there. Um, I was hoping to be a little bit better than that. And and for a while I was running pretty good there. Um, that's the, by far the best league that I play in. My TGFBI team is gonna finish middle of the pack, maybe sixth or seventh there, probably. Um all in all, I, I think you know the the one thing that I kind of take away from all this, and you and I have talked about this offline before, is like it's just such a joy to play in leagues with um I guess you would say your peers, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, most of us that are analysts should do well in our home leagues. And when we play against really good competition, it's a really great opportunity to see how good you really are and see where you can improve because there's always things that you can improve on as a fantasy player. Um, and I, I feel like I learned a lot this year. I feel like I've in the last two years of having played in more expert leagues, that uh, this is I, I, the, the best that I felt about the process overall, even if it doesn't really lead to uh, fruition and winning championships or winning money. I really like playing in those leagues. I mean, my all-time lifetime goal is like, can you imagine what it would be like like playing in tout or something like that? I mean, how crazy that would be, how cool it would be to be part of that draft room and just observe like the giants of the industry doing that stuff. Um, 
I'm not a, I'm not as starstruck as I was two years ago. You know, like, when I first got invited to do Glarf, I'm like, oh my god, I'm in a room with you know, I'm here's here's Adam Howe, here's Lucas Beery, here's Sarah Sanchez, you know, here's Dave McDonald, you know, I mean. Now it's people are saying that about you, baby. No, no like, I don't. Yo, no, Mike, nobody. Mike Carter's no, in this room. What? You know, you know, you know what my father-in-law always used to say about that, Chris. If you walk into a room and you don't know who the mark is, you're the mark. <laughs> yeah, yep. heard that name before. Yeah, sure. right. So, um, how are you doing in your leagues? I mean, I know you you've been fighting pretty hard to you know uh, keep moving in some of the leagues you've been in. How you how are you sitting this week? Well, first, I you mentioned that you haven't looked at what Chris Bassett has done. Take a guess. What did he do tonight against the Yankees? Oh God, I hope he didn't shit the bed. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that he pitched well. I mean, I I know that the Twins or the Twins. Oh my God, the Blue Jays are fighting to kind of stay in it here. So I I'm hoping in the points league that if he got me somewhere between fifteen and twenty, I would be thrilled. You're gonna be very happy, my friend. He pitched seven and two thirds sh- innings of shutout ball with twelve strikeouts. There you go. That's what happens when you face the that Yankees, is, bro. And that's the sexiest thing um, I've ever heard, Chris. Oh my god! I know, I know. Did it might did, did Giancarlo Stanton bat twenty times? I, what's that? <laughs> did Giancarlo Stanton bat twenty times? Is that why? Pretty, yeah, it must have been. They just kept throwing him out there. They're like, who cares at this point? Oh um, my god! Yeah, Wheeler, he got me twenty twenty nine points tonight. Yeah, baby. Uh, Wheeler looks like okay. They only pitched him four innings. Um, you know, they're just ramping guys up for the postseason. Yeah, yeah, point, sure. So sure. It probably but, uh, was a mistake well. to start him. So yeah. yeah, I mean he gave you five strikeouts, so not not too bad. But um as far as me, I am pretty happy overall with my year. I mean, I've still got some things that could fluctuate here, but in my main event league, which is the the highest money league that I play in, um I like I don't know how people put like ten thousand dollars you know some of those like diamond leagues in the nbc oh, yeah yep yep yeah. <laughs> um and people are probably saying how the hell can you put seventeen hundred dollars on a league uh to me but i did uh in main event i look like i'm gonna get third place um I'm that's ahead great by, yeah so i'm ahead of the fourth place team by nine points um so that's looking pretty comfortable i thought i had a shot at second earlier this week but um that didn't uh the the team ahead of me jordan rosenblum he's uh he's a guy on twitter and really nice guy by the way um he's in second and he kind of pulled ahead this week so um just happy to to get my entry fee back that'll be uh you know you get the 1700 that you put into it back so can't complain um that's great yeah i'll play you know it it gives me the money to play again next year i was just gonna say you you know you won't have to you won't have to hit up ingrid for the money next year no no you know and i'm proud i've played the main event three years now and i've cashed all three uh first year i tied for first with uh brian slack who's i'd say a pretty good player player. uh (laughs) do do you know he's actually it looks like he's gonna win the main event this year oh wow good for him yeah yeah i mean and one of the nicest people uh, like there's nobody else I root for more in this industry than him. So super, super happy. Uh, it's looking pretty good. So I don't want to jinx it, but I'm hoping that he, he takes it down. Um, but we yeah, gotta the, we got to get him on the pod. You know, it's funny when you told me you couldn't come on last week, I said, I shot him a text and I'm like, I know this is a long shot, but any chance, cause he'll fill in sometimes for like the rotor wire pod, right, like Jeff right. Erickson can't make it. I'm like, I know it's a super long shot, 
but any chance you could come on tonight and you know he had personal stuff going on so he couldn't make it but uh i was hoping to get him on especially with uh, with the the chase that he's got going on here for the uh overall but uh so yeah main event i'm i'm happy with uh i entered five dcs looks like i'm gonna win two of them and that's great and cash in at least one of the other ones um well yeah actually right now so i'm cashing in four out of five i uh, had one dud so yeah feeling pretty good about that and then my home league i am in a battle with my good buddy there but i'm in good position to take that down and i think i've won that like five out of nine years so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah, I'm 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 happy overall with uh with my season. Man, that's fantastic. Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um but uh Mike, I want to ask you like I know that uh Patrick Davitt does this on the Baseball HQ podcast. Like he'll he'll ask every guest like how their their leagues are are going and who are some of the picks that they've gotten right and some of the ones that they feel like, you know, that that didn't work out. So, let me ask you uh for for you this year, who was one player maybe across your leagues that uh, that was a good pick that you think worked out for you and, and helped your teams? Well, one guy that I had a lot of this year that I I, I guess I when I kind of looked at it in the offseason, I thought that he was a guy that was not getting as much respect as he should be getting for being an ace. And that was Zach Gallen. And mm-hmm. uh, I was really comfortable um in the wintertime with him as my SP one in many of the leagues that I was in. And I would say that that looks to be a pretty good pick at this time. Um, there were other That's people right. that I, yeah. there, were, there were people, <laughs> there were people who I had talked to about that when I did it, that were like, eh, you know, like, hey, I, I would have been one of those people. I may have been, I, I yeah. may have said something to you at the time. I just, I was not big on him. And, you know, I was even, looking back i was just flipping through my baseball forecaster today and i came across his name and like the the profile that they had on him like wasn't you know it wasn't like a glowing endorsement i remember thinking like yeah "Eh, he's probably someone who you know if you're lucky is gonna you're gonna return value on um or or break even on rather uh but yeah i mean he's he's been freaking awesome yeah he was a guy that i i really liked and i and and sometimes you know it, it it Sometimes it's as simple for me, and I know this is really dumb, but I'm sure people will relate to this in some way. Sometimes there's guys that I'm like, man, I, it, it's that FOMO thing, right? Like you're like, mm-hmm. I've not had this guy before. This guy's always been pretty good. Like, and and what really drew me to him was that I thought, looking at him and the season he put up last year, I thought, hey, eh, guy made thirty some starts. He's almost two hundred innings, two hundred strikeouts. It's pretty worry free. And lo and behold, I mean, he just went over two hundred innings um, this week and. Um, he's got 213 strikeouts as we're sitting here in 17 and eight. Um, so, I mean, he gives you the best of everything. You get some wins, you get some, get some great strikeouts, you got worry-free innings. And uh, I, as I get older, that's really kind of what I'm seeking. I, I, I don't look as much for the sexy starting pitchers anymore. I'm looking for the guys that I feel I can rely on. And uh, that's not a new concept. I realize that, but, but um, I I've been less prone. I think that's why I was a little bit more successful this year in some of those leagues is because um, I didn't take as much risk on the pitching staff as what I've done in the past. And so when you look at your pitching staff and you've got, you know, Zach Gallen and you've got, you know, um, Logan Webb, you're like, these are good pitchers, but they're not, they're not sexy. They're not going to all of a sudden do something they've not done before. 
Uh, a lot of guys that I was in leagues were like really high on Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, and for good reason. Those guys are great, but I just I'm like I want to see him do it first before I like all in bid. You know? Mm-hmm. How about you? Who's somebody that you had this year that was really uh, great for you? Probably a lot of people, considering how successful you've been. So one of them, uh, and I made a video about this guy in in the off season, uh, and, and was hyping him up, and that was JD Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't understand his ADP. I got him in a lot of leagues. I think I had him in three or four leagues, and it was just like he was there. Like mm-hmm. when the options around him, he, I think he was going like around pick two hundred a little bit after that. And I'm looking at the other guys around him, and I'm like. JD Martinez, I understand that the year uh, before wasn't wasn't great with the Red Sox, and he's getting a little older. He's kind of boring. Yeah, but he he went to the Dodgers, and you know that the Dodgers are going to play him every day and hit him in the middle of the lineup. And if you actually looked under the hood at at his uh, peripheral numbers in 2022, they were actually fine. You know, mm-hmm. I think he got a little unlucky with with home runs and. Uh, I'm like, I, I don't understand. This guy is basically a lock for 25 to 30 home runs, mm-hmm. really a lock for 100 RBIs hitting behind Betts and Freeman in that lineup. Um, he's going to play every day and, you know, you're getting him a pick 200, like something about that didn't make sense to me. And what I said in the video that I made, I think there is a discount for these util only players. People yeah. are scared of, of filling up that spot. Um, but that has been something that I've exploited. I feel like for years now, I remember for years I would get, uh, David Ortiz super cheap, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. when he was in the later stage of his career and people didn't want him because for really for that reason. And every year I'm like, okay, you can stream your, your worst hitter in your util spot. I'll take the 30 to 35 home runs and hundred RBIs from David Ortiz. And mm-hmm. that's how I felt about JD Martinez this year. And I mean, that worked out really well. He, even with the injuries, I mean, he put up, I don't know where he is on the player Raider, but I, I mean, he, he gave you a tremendous value uh, for where he was being picked. Um, let's see. Honorable mention. I'd say Chaz McCormick guy's going to go. I think he's close to 2020 playing every day for the Astros. He was someone I got like around pick 350 after that, I think. And it was just like, I thought he hit the. He had good quality of contact. He, um, I was confident that the Astros were going to play him every day. He's part of a great lineup, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't really overthink it. And I knew he could offer both that that power speed combo that you love. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, I I feel like you can't really go wrong. I'm really drafting him at at his floor. I don't see how yeah. you lose money yep. on this pick. No, you so, don't. And I, I think it's wild because in a lot of leagues that I was playing in, he wasn't drafted. And yep. then w- with the bevy of injuries and stuff that they were having, and he was starting to get more playing time, I was out a little bit more on the front end of that and got him pretty cheap and fab in about three different leagues and picked him up in my home league. And, I mean, he honestly carried me, carried my team for the better part of about three weeks in August, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, great, great pick there, a uh, good ball player, even though he looks like an accountant. He does. I love that picture on NFBC. <laughs> <laughs> um you, but you know what's funny though? That picture they've used for other people. Is that you know, really him, or is that just some like? I don't like, think it is. I think it's a meme, right? white like, guy picture really that they use. Okay, <laughs> I don't think so. It's, uh, he just looks like a standard white guy in that picture. Standard white guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um. All right, Mike. What about a, a pick that didn't work out so well? 
Man, I mentioned it before, kind of in passing, just as a joke. But I, uh, in in Glarf, I thought, oh, I'm gonna get. I got Giancarlo Stanton as my third outfielder, and I thought, oh, that you know, Oof. yeah, whoa, what a dog he's been. Holy cow! I mean, really, yeah, we got him it. for another five years, bro. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Except if you, you know, maybe the White Sox will be interesting because they seem to like guys that can't hit or stay healthy. So yeah, he's a yeah, perfect you, fit. Let's work. Yeah. Let's work something out. Well, the other guy that I took a lot this year too that I kind of you know. And that great of it was Lance Lynn, you know, um, he's, he salvaged some of that going to LA, but he was so Homer happy this year. Um, you know, I think he's on the downside and I, I kind of, there's another one of those guys where I'm like, ah, you know, he'll probably win 15 games and get 200 strikeouts, you know, and he's probably going to come pretty close to those things. I didn't expect the, uh, peripherals to look like, you know, Jack's little league ERA, you know, um, Mm -hmm. But that's what they look like, and it's not great for a major leaguer, obviously. So, um, yeah, that was one that I missed out on. I thought if I had him as an SP2, I thought I'd be pretty happy. I got him in a couple places where he was my SP3, and I was thrilled, and it didn't really work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, um, you mentioned one of them for me was uh, Hunter Green. I I was really high on him, and I don't know. I I don't know if it was the wrong move or if I just got – unlucky with uh with the injuries but uh i mean even when he did pitch it was very inconsistent right i i was counting on him i really thought he was going to take a step forward and be a guy that we were you know like taking that kind of spencer strider step forward a guy Mm -hmm. that we'd be taking in like the third round next year i'll be honest i'll probably be in on him next year depending on where his adp lands um, I imagine you're going to get a, a pretty good discount based off yes, what happened. I would agree. But um, yeah, that is one that I, that really did not work out well for me. Um, just trying to scan through. You know, this was kind of a small miss, but I feel like this guy just really clogged a roster spot. And and when he played, wasn't productive. Is Jock Peterson? Mm-hmm. You know, I took him around like pick two fifty in my main event, and. I don't know. His projections look good. And I'm like, all right, you know, he's when he's out there, we know we knew he was going to be in a platoon. Uh, but I'm like, when he's in there, he's going to give me good production. But I think one takeaway for me this year is just to avoid those guys, man, like those platoon hitters, those lefty bats or especially a lefty outfielder. They're kind of a dime a dozen. I yeah. mean, like I got DJ Stewart much later in the year who was huge for my main yeah. team. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's basically like you're going to find guys like that throughout the year that mm-hmm. you you can get off of waivers. So even though it was a later pick, I feel like, you know, there's still guys. I'm sure if I went back and looked at the draft, I'd probably be sick at some of the guys I passed mm-hmm. up on for Jock mm-hmm. Peterson. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, that that's kind of that breakout range. So I think that's a takeaway for me is like, don't don't waste a pick, especially, you know, even at, at, at pick 250. Don't waste it on on a guy who's really just a part time player. Uh, you know, I'd put him in for those half weeks when he'd only get two starts. And listen, losing those at bats over the course of a year it matters. You know it that does. shit adds up. It does. Um, you know, I actually I remember there was it was a choice for me between Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler, and I went with Peterson. And obviously, in hindsight, that looks terrible. Soler. What did he hit? 35, 40 home mm-hmm. runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, it should have been obvious. Jorge Soler, even though he had injury risk, um, he was going to play every day. So let, don't overthink it. And, and their power is probably the same. So, yeah, just uh, that's definitely a takeaway for me this year. 
Yeah, I think that's really a great point. I mean, I think just to kind of piggyback off that for a second, I think um, when you get to the, the 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 later rounds of drafts and things of that nature, uh, it's really really mining for those at bats and trying to project that playing time. You know, like in Clark, one of the guys that I got that um, was really helpful to me for most of the year was Asturi Ruiz. You know, I mean, obviously he's doing three and four and five bases a week. I mean, he's winning you the category, you know, he kept me competitive all year in the category and I didn't have to chase steals. Like I almost always do, you know, and he was a guy that I got like in the 28th or 29th round. And I, I, the way I had been looking at it uh, in the week before that, I was like, Hey, this guy's going to play. They don't have anybody like right. he's, they're going to give him a chance to play. And he's got a, pe- a prospect pedigree. If he's not any good or he's not playing after a week or two, I'll just cut him. You know, you and I talk all the time about that bottom of the roster churn. And I think I did that all year in most of my leagues. Like those last two roster spots in most of my leagues, I was constantly turning those over. Yep. Yep. Have to. Especially in those uh, in those 12 teamers. You you had like those last two spots should be constantly uh, be churning that. So. All right, man. Well, we have all off season to kind of look back a little bit more and, and dig a little deeper at uh, some of these player performances, but we are, uh, we're tired. We're tired. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, uh, to leave it there uh, as far as baseball stuff, but we do want to include our mental health minute. So uh, Mike, before we end, if you can uh, tell the listeners something that you're doing to maintain your overall wellness recently. Well, I've not done a real good job of that the last couple of weeks because I've been super busy. You know, um, I have my job that I work five days a week. And then um, on Sundays, I do tutoring to make some extra money on the side. And so self-care over the last couple of weeks has been uh, fairly minimal. Um, obviously, you know that doing the podcast with you is a, is a great form of self-care for me and um, uh, things that I, I like to do um, in that regard. And so um, I've really been kind of struggling to kind of find ways and times to be able to kind of, um, you know, spend some mic time, for lack of a better term, and and figure out some things for myself, you know. Um, and I, I've been constantly surrounded by people over the course of the last few weeks. And so I've not had that time that I kind of like to build in for myself. And so what I'm doing and what I'm going to do tomorrow, and it might sound lame to many other people, but... Um, uh, really busy week at school, and um, I've got one more, you know, big. I don't know how big it is, but a piece for fan tracks that's due this weekend. And tomorrow morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up a little bit earlier than what I usually do. I'm going to head over to Panera. I'm going to get myself a breakfast sandwich and a large cup of hazelnut coffee, and I'm going to write my blog. So instead of going to work at six o'clock in the morning like I usually do to have that hour alone at work where I can do work stuff. Um, I'm not going to go to work in the morning super early tomorrow. I'm going to take some time for me. I'm going to get myself a really good breakfast sandwich. It's got a little bit of spicy kick to it to get me going in the morning, get some coffee. I'm going to write for an hour and I'm going to sit there until seven o'clock and then I'm going to go to work and face the whatever nonsense I have to face tomorrow when I'm in the school building. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's me recognizing it's not rocket science, right? That's me recognizing that I need a little break. And that I need some type of small reward. Obviously, I'd, it would be better if it wasn't food related because I'm 230 pounds and fat. But um, that's how I'm going to choose to reward myself tomorrow. And I jokingly will refer to it as uh, I get a breakfast sandwich for not punching anyone in the face this week. Um mm-hmm. But in reality, that's time for me to really kind of shift everything into neutral for an hour, 
do something that I really love doing in writing about the bullpens and finishing that off for the year and then kind of catching my breath a little bit and having some coffee and hopefully the weather is decent enough that I can sit outside and, you know, get some air and, and do those things. It's, I really don't always think, you know, we talk about the mental health minute every time we do this and I think it's so valuable and important for us to do. It doesn't always have to be something big that you do that can help you kind of recharge. Right. And it can, it can be something really small. It can be those, those three quick deep breaths through your nose and out through your mouth to kind of help get that blood flow back to the frontal lobe of your brain, right? It can be things like that. It can be seeing somebody that you haven't talked to in a while. It can be people donating. You were doing an event for that that kid I was telling you about that got hit by a car in the summertime. We're doing a wiffle ball tournament for him on Sunday. Uh, we've been doing a lot of planning for that. We've raised already about $10,000 for the family um, wow. that, that are in need. They're an amazing family. But, you know, we're doing all these things and 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 all the, and all that. And people that I haven't talked to in 10 years are donating, you know, like, hey, you know, this is important to you. So we're picking it up. So, like, we can never really be sure what impact we have on each other and the people that are around us. And we, you know, we don't always realize that. But tomorrow I'm just going to go have a breakfast sandwich, man. I'm going to have a breakfast sandwich. I'm going to have a, some hazelnut coffee. I'm going to spoil myself for $10 overpriced sandwich. But. I'm going to do that for me because then I don't have to talk to anybody for an hour and I can just be alone and, and do something that I really love doing to kind of help hit that recharge for me. Cause it's been, it's been draining, man. I mean, September was a really hard month over here with uh, a lot of different things going on at school and whatnot. So that's what I'm going to do for me. Long story short, what are mm-hmm. you doing for you? Yeah, well, first, I just want to say I love that idea uh, of just giving yourself those small rewards, right? And, uh, you know, you have to. You have to incorporate that uh, every every so often because if not, then you're just going to get burnt out. And it's it's not going to be, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be enjoyable anymore to, uh, to do those things. Um, so for me, uh, I talked about this last week um, on my, my solo pod, uh, mm-hmm. going to therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. was super helpful and and this was over a week ago now but it, man i needed it you know like i yeah. had moved to only seeing my therapist every every month which i don't know if is the best idea i realized i'm like damn like that was that was kind of long mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so w- it was great to uh to just kind of get some things off my chest that i'd i'd been holding in for a while so um Definitely. I mean, obviously, I'm biased. I am a therapist. And like I said last <laughs> week, therapists need therapists, too. You know, we yeah, need, but we a lot of people don't do it. Out. You know, a lot yeah. of people don't. Yeah. They the people who are helping other people very rarely take care of themselves first. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I think anybody who's in the field should um, should be doing something in that regard. Um, but uh, one quick thing I, I wanted to just talk about was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Chris Snow. He's the uh, mm-hmm. general manager or assistant general manager for the Calgary Flames. Are you familiar with his story? Yes, yes I am. Um, so his wife, so for those who don't know, he um, he's been battling ALS and it's been a very public thing. Like his... You know, there's been ESPN documentaries on him, like, and his wife is very active on social media. She has a podcast where she kind of talks about her experience. Um, it's just, it, they have been, both of them, uh, him and his wife, have just been an amazing inspiration to myself, to so many people. I mean, what Chris has done in, in his battle against ALS and raising awareness and helping, you know, he's, he's you know, helping with research 
thing um, has just been unbelievable. Uh, but his wife mm-hmm. tweeted earlier today that um, he was unresponsive and it, it, it doesn't look like he is going to make it. Mm. Uh, he had a catastrophic brain injury. So, um, you know, it, it just uh, that hit me because, like I said, I've been following it for a while and just like seeing the things that he was doing was just incredible. I mean, the, the man is just uh, you talk about tough uh, and, and just mm-hmm. someone who could persevere. It's just unbelievable what he was able to do with that freaking horrible illness. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just for me, it, it, it just I don't know. I spent time reflecting on it today. And, uh, you know, as sad as it is, uh, it just made me think about, you used the word impact earlier. Mm-hmm. This man had an impact that is going to be felt for a long, long time, you know, for many reasons, right? Just like his public, you know, being so public about living with ALS and, mm-hmm. you know, think about the people who have ALS and were able to get inspiration from him. Uh, and anybody, right? Doesn't not just people with ALS. So the impact that he ha- had on them, and he's also uh, his wife mentioned that he's donating all of his organs. Which man, you know, like I think I understand there are reasons that people may not want to, maybe religious or, or whatever. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. man, like organ donation, blood donate, like those are things that really um, you could you could have such an impact on so many people's lives. By, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. By doing those things. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's something personally that I, I try to do, um, you know, is, is like donate blood and, and just like I feel like that's such a simple thing, um, you know, but getting back to Chris, just the idea of having impact. And, you know, now he's he's helping others by donating his organs and um, just, uh, you know, I, that is a life well lived. And yep. it just made me think about how, you know, may, my life is maybe not going to be on, it likely won't be uh, helping on that grand of a scale. Um, but it just was a reminder to like, use your time to make the world a better place. You know, we exactly. have such a limited time exactly. on this earth and, uh, you know, rather than bullshitting or, you know, spending time on social media, I mean, not that I do this but i i see a lot of this shit where like people are just shitting on other people it's like yep. what the fuck are you doing like what the uh-huh. fuck are you doing wasting uh-huh. your time on this earth um putting doom others down like, yeah 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 or doom scroll like it, it just use this time that you have to to make the world a better place and well, yeah absolutely um, absolutely i'm not man. always successful in that but it just seeing his story was a reminder uh, like to, it just inspired me more to, to be more like Chris, you know? Yep. Well, let me, th- let me say something to that, to you as a friend and as a co-host and all the other things that we, you, you, you see clients on a weekly basis. And let's say that you see 20 clients a week. I don't even know what the number is, but I'm just guessing. Let's say you see 20 clients a week. And then those 20 clients go out and make choices and make decisions that push their lives forward and push them into success and push them into relationships and marriages and partnerships and kids. So take the 20 people that you talk about with having, you know, you're talking about impact, right? So take those 20 people and say that, say that 20 of those people go out and do something great. They get married. They have a couple of kids each. Think of the lives that you touched by doing what you did and the gift that you give of your time and your expertise and your knowledge and the skill building that you do with those people. It's like Schindler's List, right? 
I mean, you've seen the movie Schindler's List. That guy saved 900 Jewish people, right? He saved thousands of Jewish people by doing what he did, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I think about that with the students that I work with too. Like, you know, I don't, we don't save people. We're not in the business of doing that. But if we get people to start making better choices and they go out and they get out into the world and they survive and they get married and they have kids, like I didn't touch one life. I touched five. Right, that, right. Without me, without me and my team influencing those kids, and without you doing what you do with those with those folks, maybe they don't make it. So think of the impact that you had. So like, yeah, Chris Snow has a huge impact on people as an influencer and the different things that he experienced, and by his hard ass attitude towards everything and like living it the right way. So you can't measure your impact in years, folks. Like you got to measure it in the moments that you right. got, in the time, the opportunities that you have to charge through that open door and do something with it. You know, right. So don't don't underestimate your impact, Torres. No, I, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. But uh, yeah, I'm just like it, it just really hit me today. And you know, I know a lot of people out there right now are just kind of like are lacking purpose. I see a lot of that in, in mm-hmm. my work with people. And you know, may, maybe you don't have uh, maybe you don't have that purpose or that sense of fulfillment in your career or, you know, in other areas of your life. Maybe you're not like a, I don't know, a talented musician or artist where you feel you can kind of like uh, share that with the world. But it's so there are so many opportunities to positively impact others lives, you know, yep. and if, if that can be your purpose, um, man, there's, there's no shortage of that. You You can do that all day. So. Um, you know, I think that's been a theme of something that we've talked to just like getting outside of yourself and, and helping others. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, but anyway, it's getting late. <laughs> we're sure going to end it there. Um, I appreciate you, Mike. I, I, I love this podcast. This has been, uh, over the past year, it, it's been a joy. I mean, I think we've, um, you know, I think we've, we've done a good job and, and I think we're going to continue to to improve this and, and make it better. So I just want to say I appreciate you. Me too. Um, I appreciate you too. And I'm committed to making it even better next year. I mean, if two years ago somebody would have even told me that I would be doing something like this, I would have said they were crazy. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to yeah, do this. That's what I said last week. Yeah, it's yep, crazy. Yep. It's crazy. Like well, anytime I got invited to be on a podcast, I was so nervous. And now I'm just like, you know, we just got good rapport. We know what we're doing. Let's go for it. It's good times. Always. Yep. So, all right, man. Well, thank you to everybody who has listened. Uh, like I said, we're going to be continuing in the off season. I don't know if we're we'll talk off air about if we're going to start right back up next week, but we'll we'll be back pretty soon. So, uh, we'll we'll get some good guests lined up for you. But uh, thank you again. And uh, for Mike Carter, I'm Chris Torres. You've been listening to the Fantasy Baseball Beat.